progress in rocketry in the 20th century India is in fact the materialization of Tipu's dream because rockets were first of all built in the country by the tiger of Mysore, Tipu Sultan. These famous words belong to the ex-president and missile man of India, Dr. A.P.J. Abdul Kalam. Welcome to The Revolution, untold story of Indian freedom struggle. I am Shushmita Mazumdar, your host. And I am Koshik Mazumdar, your co-host. Today we will live through the days of Tipu Sultan, who like his father, Haider Ali, struggled against the British. Tipu Sultan fought valiantly against the British East India Company and he died fighting against them. He was the first Indian king who died on the battlefield against the British. Trained by the French officials in his father's army, Tipu had already proven his mettle during the first Anglo-Mysore War. During the second Anglo-Mysore War, after Haider Ali died in 1782, Tipu took over the governance of Mysore. The war was yet to be over. In March of 1784, with the signing of the Treaty of Mangalore, at which both sides agreed to restore the other's lands to the status quo antebellum, that is, the state existing before the war. This treaty was the last one where an Indian side dictated terms to the British. One of the conditions of the treaty was that both sides would release the war prisoners, but Tipu breached the contract and refused to free the British prisoners taken during the war. Little did he know that the British would utilize the Treaty of Mangalore as an opportunity for commencing another war with Tipu. Marathas had been the most fierce native enemy of Mysore. Under Haider Ali's command, Mysore had got into a battle with the Marathas number of times. Eventually, a truce was availed with a treaty in return of huge one-time and large annual sum to be paid as tribute to the Marathas. But Tipu Sultan was not ready to accept the treaty with the Marathas. He knew the situation was not such that he could go on a full-blown war against the Marathas. Instead, he stopped paying the tribute to the Marathas, according to the treaty agreed upon by Haider. Also, Tipu Sultan tried to take on the forts in southern India which were captured by the Marathas in the previous year. One of the major purposes of Tipu's offensive was to strengthen his northern province. In 1786, the Marathas and the Nizams allied and dispatched a joint army to invade Mysore. While Maratha army was led by Haripanth, Nizam's army was led by Tuhavar Jang. Early in 1787, Tipu Sultan expressed his readiness to make peace agreeing to pay at once 30 lakh rupees on account of tribute due and a further sum afterward. This would include arrears from the previous four years. Tipu skipped paying the tribute. Eventually, the conflict came to an end with this Treaty of Gajendragad in March 1787. 
Also as per this treaty Tipu had to return all the territory once captured by Hyder Ali to Maratha Empire and the Marathas agreed to address Tipu Sultan as Nawab Tipu Sultan Fateh Ali Khan Around the same time the governor of Madras Archibald Campbell demanded from the existing Ali Nawab of Arkad Muhammad Ali Khan that he should take up the major share of war expenditure in the war for his safety and protection against Mysore On one hand while as per the past treaty British could not go into war against Tipu they were waiting for an apt reason to interfere with the affairs of Mysore with this goal they had taken the cautious policies and made sure that enmity between the native powers and Tipu if not increases must continue accordingly the british would provide indirect support to other native powers against tipu while during hyder's reign british had other native powers to deal with whereas during tipu's days they completely put all of their major focus in eliminating tipu sultan on one hand while the british knew tipu sultan was the only fierce enemy left between them and complete hold of south india on the other the british were against tipu sultan because he was not only their enemy but also was an ally of the french their enemy in europe in 1784 following the treaty of mangalore tipu sultan was eager to establish a strong bond with the french this eagerness was inspired by the anxiousness of profound hostility with the british that he knew was not going to go away soon accordingly he sent his envoy to france to secure the cooperation of the government but the envoy met with a disappointing reception from the french who were hardly interested in allying with an oriental prince then with the natives all against him tipu had a detailed plan to ally with several foreign powers He accordingly went on seeking help from the Afghans, the arch rivals of the Marathas, who promised to extend their support. But with the attack of Persia on them, Afghans could not prove to be of much support. Tipu also had sent his embassy to Constantinople to gather support from Turkey against the British. Besides the permission to contribute to the maintenance of the Islamic shrines in Makkah, Medina, Naf and Karbala, Tipu Sultan requested the Ottoman Sultan to send him troops and military experts. But with the newfound enmity with the Russians, the Ottomans needed British on their side to keep them away. So they could not be of much assistance in Tipu's struggle against the British. Though Tipu remained in touch with Ottoman Sultan till 1799. Tipu had three alternative schemes in his mind to explore with his mission in 1787 to Constantinople. First alliance with Turkey if failed then with France and the last option was to establish peace with British if the fort of Tirchinopoli was returned to Mysore. So Turkey failed to comply with Tipu's request of alliance against the British. The second embassy to France was rather well received. The envoy to France headed by Muhammad Darwish Khan 
sent directly to Paris by Tipu in 1787, was received graciously by Louis XIV. But France, then itself, was under a lot of distress, with the initial signs of an upcoming revolution knocking at the door. Could not do much but a profuse promise of future support. Though none of Tipu's attempt to find an alliance to fight against the British was successful, one must accept he had a far-fetched vision and he did not give up to the enmity of the native powers. Eventually, Tipu's incorrigible intrigues with the French got Lord Wellesley. The proconsul was alarmed and got the British further determined about their purpose of eliminating Tipu. And the British would not let go of one opportunity that would come their way to battle Tipu out. Such an opportunity came up with Tipu's attempt of acquiring the state of Travancore. Tipu Sultan was aware that possession of Malabar was important to get a stronghold on the western coast. With that, he would be able to attack the British from both sides. With the support of the British, the Raja of Travancore extended fortifications along the border with Mysore. Things further escalated with the Raja of Travancore purchasing the forts of Karanagore and Ayakta from the Dutch East India Company in the Kingdom of Cochin. At this time, Cochin chief was a fiduciary to Mysore. Following the failed attempts to take over the Kingdom of Travancore in 1788, Tipu Sultan was warned by the then Madras president Archibald Campbell that an attack on Travancore would be treated as a declaration of war on the company. But Tipu had a little choice to either fight or give up against the company. In 1789, when Tipu Sultan sent forces onto the Malabar coast to put down a rebellion, many of them fled to Travancore and Cochin. To follow them, Tipu began preparations for an assault on the Nedum Kota, a fortified line of defense built by Dharma Raja of Travankar in the fall of 1789. British were keeping a close watch onto the matters. After all, even they were looking for an opportunity to battle it out with Tipu. Commander and chief for the East India Company Cornwallis, observing this build-up, sensed this could be the long-awaited opportunity and accordingly reminded John Holland about his predecessor Campbell's warning to Tipu. Not only that Cornwallis made sure that attack on Travancore would be considered as the declaration of war against the company and the same was met with a strong British response. Tipu was aware that Holland was not only relatively inexperienced but also did not share an as close relationship as Campbell with Cornwallis. And probably that's why he decided that this was an opportune time to attack. Tipu Sultan had to face a strong defense from the Travancore when he staged an attack on Nidumkota with almost 14,000 infantry and 500 pioneers on 29 December of 1789. Not only he lost many men, but their morals also had 
hit the bottom. Even Tipu himself had a slim survival while his palanquin bearers lost their lives in the process of saving his. He also lost his sword and shield in the process of escaping, which were taken away in triumphant to Trivandrum, the capital of Travancore. Soon after Tipu Sultan attacked Travancore, Lord Cornwallis started mobilizing the company and British military forces and formed alliances with the Marathas and the Nizam of Hyderabad to oppose Tipu. When Cornwallis was contemplating a full-fledged attack on Tipu Sultan, John Holland preferred negotiation, which got Cornwallis so angry that he was on the brink of going to Madras to take command himself. It was the news of General William Meadows' arrival as Holland's replacement that stopped him from such an immediate move. Soon Meadows forcibly removed Holland and set about planning operations against Tipu while building up troops at Trichinopoli. In the meantime, Tipu regrouped his army and recommenced the attack with seized guns and a huge army. Eventually, the Trevankor army had to give up and retreat. By late April 1790, the Mysore army destroying the fortification entered the territory. At this time, despite having two battalions of the native army and another European contingent from Bombay Presidency at Ayakota, the British regiments failed to support the Travancore army in their defense. Soon came the monsoon, interrupting the march of the Mysorean army much further. When Tipu received information about British army assembling at Trichinopoli, he decided to retreat to Palghar. During this retreat, Tipu Sultan lost lot of men. General Meadows developed a strategy of two-pronged attack against Mysore with the main thrust against the Coimbatore district and a diversionary thrust into Mysore from the northeast. Meadows moved out of Trichinapalli in late May. Tipo withdrew from Travancore and reached Coimbatore on May 24, 1790 and stayed there for watching the movement of the English forces. Thus commenced the Third Anglo-Mysorean War. Movement of the English force was hampered by weather and equipment problems. Although his progress was slow, he met little resistance. Tipu, who left the place under the control of Said Sahib and proceeded to Karur. Mido's only opposition consisted of these 4,000 cavalries under Syed Sahib that Tipu had detached mainly to observe and harness his operations. Most of the strong points fell rather easily, except Palghat and Dindigul, requiring significant struggle to capture. Almost around the same time, 30,000 strong Maratha army began marching toward Mysore under the command of Parsiram Bhau. They were accompanied by a detachment of British troops from Bombay. The first several Mysorean outposts surrendered in the face of the large army and it made steady progress until it reached Darwar in September. Late in 1790, British forces succeeded in taking control of the Malabar coast. But Cornwallis's goal was to take control of Bangalore, 
which could be used as a base for future operations against Tipu Sultan's capital at Srirangapatnam. Also, he appropriately guessed this would stimulate the Allies to step up their activity. In January 1791, a second Maratha army consisting of 25,000 cavalrys and 5,000 infantry under the command of Hari Pont left Pune. Also, this army was assisted by a detachment of British soldiers from the Madras army, and eventually they reached Karnool without significant opposition. Hari Pant went to confer with the Nizam, who had yet not crossed into Mysore in fear of Tipu's large army. On receiving word that Cornwallis had captured Bangalore and was moving toward the Mysorean capital, Sri Rangapatnam. Hari Pant moved out from Karnool and met with Cornwallis on 28th May. In 1790, Colonel Meadows' attack of Mangalore was repulsed and he was forced to withdraw to Madras. So Cornwallis took over the main British army at Velar on 29 January 1791. A week later, he marched west as if to pass through the Eastern Ghats at that point. This prompted Tipu to abandon Pondicherry and make haste for Bangalore where he perceived his harem to be at some risk. Although Tipu placed defenses on some of the passes, Cornwallis, after several feints, turned sharply north and crossed the mountains at the Mughli Pass on 21st February against no opposition. He then continued to advance against virtually no resistance until he reached before the gates of Bangalore on 5th March. Tipu had fortified the city and supplied the garrison, but he stayed with his main force on the outskirts of the British positions as Cornwallis began the siege operations. Tipu's men fought valiantly to defend the forts, but the assault on the front and flank overwhelmed them. Bangalore had two distinctive forts. One was the peat that housed commercial and residential areas and the second was the oval fort for military operations. The British captured the peat in a bloody battle on March 7, 1791, two weeks before the military fort fell. The defense substantially weakened after the death of the Killadar Bahadur Khan. The slaughter of the enemy was severe but the English loss was comparatively small. The 20-day battle for Bangalore laid the groundwork for the fall of the last resistance. British accounts say 26 of their officers were killed and 98 wounded after the peat assault. The final battle saw the death of 431. About 2,000 Mysoreans died defending Bangalore. Only 5% of Tipu's original fort remains today. The dismantled structure stones were used by the British to build the Victoria Hospital, Minto Hospital and Town Hall. A cenotaph for British soldiers who lost their lives was built opposite the present-day corporation building, which was demolished on October 28, 1964. Two centuries later, there is nothing much at the fort that reminds us of the battle for Bangalore except a wall plaque that reads, Through this breach, the British assault was delivered March 21, 1791, and dargahs of some of Tipu's faithful men, including Bahadur Khan, Muhib 
Hamid Shah and Sharfuddin Shah are located at the vicinity to the fort. Want to learn more about the untold story of Indian freedom struggle? Keep listening. We got a page for episode notes, resources and more. Visit us at www.ksproductionsusa.com. Subscribe to the Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle at Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your audio. Be sure to leave us a review, give us 5 stars and please talk about us to your friends and family. We want to hear directly from you too. So send us an email. Our email address is therevolution@ksproductionsusa.com. The Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle is produced by KS Production in collaboration with Pastel Entertainment. Our executive producers are Kaushik Mazumdar and Shushmita Mazumdar from KS Productions and Shauni Mazumdar from Pastel Entertainment. Our researcher is Dipanjan Maithi. Content developed by Dipanjan Maithi, Brotati Chakraborty and Kaushik Mazumdar. Sound designed and original music composed by Satyajit Sen. Also used compositions by Kazi Nazrul Islam. In the next episode, we will drive you through the final days of the third Anglo-Mysore War to the final days of Tipu Sultan. Till then, stay healthy, stay safe, stay home. Please follow the government and medical restrictions and keep the near and dear ones safe.